I'm Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. And welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. Welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. He's Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. Charlie, we got together on Monday. Uh, I don't know if euphoric is the word, but the Pirates coming off a three-game series in St. Louis where maybe they didn't play their best baseball, but importantly, they won two out of three. Uh, the unfortunate thing was that 19-inning game on Sunday took a toll, and here we were speculating on the roster and a variety of things. And In terms of that, uh, apparently you haven't been quite hard enough on Neil Huntington. Yeah, I guess that you know criticizing Neil Huntington for the way the roster was constructed when, um, when Kyle McPherson and Justin Wilson were sent back to the minor leagues, and mentioning in my in in my game recap of the game where where Dan McCutcheon gave up the game-winning home run that he shouldn't have even been on the team, and you know you're having written an article for Bucks Dugout that was right at the the the, the top of the page yesterday afternoon. I guess that wasn't wasn't enough for uh, Dayon, and so we got into a a bit of a Twitter war about it. You know, it's 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 really I guess strange from my perspective that. Somebody who has, you know, nine or ten times the number of Twitter followers I do is, you know, essentially trolling me and and basically saying that I'm, for some reason, afraid to criticize Neil Huntington as if criticism of Neil Huntington wasn't all over the the front of the page at the time. So, you know, I mean, given that he has he has such a a, a large audience, I felt compelled to defend myself because, you know, actually I I was reading a book by uh, earlier earlier this week by a writer named um, Chuck Klosterman, who's a big, uh, a big, big podcast guy with uh, sports guy Bill Simmons, and does some work on Grantland. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I had never read him before, and the reason I had never read him is because somebody I respected a long time ago said that he wasn't any good, and I, I don't even remember who it was or what the reasons were, but I just remember having having this thing in the back of my mind, like Chuck Klosterman, bad writer. It turns out I really like his book a lot. Um, and Which I one just, was it? Uh, uh, eating the dinosaur, and um, and so I was just thinking about that with regard to my own situation. I don't want somebody who's a potential Bucks dugout reader, you know, getting the idea that you know Bucks dugouts like this and and not really knowing because Dayon is spewing this stuff to you know twenty thousand people. So I, I felt like I had to defend myself. Um, I think my comments pretty much speak for themselves. I think the, the lack of continuity and logic in Dayon's comments pretty much speak for themselves, and that's so. I, that's that's why I put up a, a thread about that on Bucks Dugout. Yeah, I think you handled that well. Putting the thread up on the side, I think, was the right spot for it, and people can go there if they're interested in it and read the comments. All right, let's move on from yeah. there. Uh, one, one thing is, I, I think you, have, you just said this to me off the air, and I guess, you know, probably some thanks to all the people who have made the site what it is, because certainly traffic's been great, and uh, the response just in the comments and people being in the flow has been pretty great. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 nice. It's 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 always interesting when, I mean, it's definitely interesting to, to have seen the, the Pirates start to play better in the past couple of years. I mean, obviously didn't didn't maintain it for all of last year, but it, but you could sort of sense that there was a lot of, of, you know, excitement and passion about the team that was just waiting to sort of burst forth and now that they you know finally despite the the series against the Padres they just played they still have they, they still have a contending team at this point in in late August I mean there's been a lot of excitement about the about the Pirates this year and I'm you know really happy to have to have um, had you and all the other contributors on 
uh, this year and have had you know such a uh, a great group of commenters talking eagerly about the team the whole year. All right, let's get into it. Monday, we talked about the roster. We speculated on what was going to happen. There were some reports out there. turns out McPherson and Wilson do come up. They both pitch in that game. Kevin Correa gets the start. Okay, they shouldn't have started Correa. So they made a mistake there. Uh, they didn't score any runs, so who knows uh, if the outcome would have been different. But the offense didn't do the job on Monday night in San Diego. McPherson goes two innings with the strikeout. I think he gives up one hit and maybe a, a K or two. Uh, Wilson comes in, goes an inning, gives up two hits, but strikes out the side, uh, and poof, they're gone. Dan Qualls, uh, Dan McCutcheon, and Chad Qualls back on the roster. You and I have written about it a fair bit. I didn't like either move. I, I don't mind McPherson going back. He's the guy who started the season in double-A because of the arm injury. He missed a lot of the year. He should be triple-A. He really is a starter. They're not going to start him up here. If they weren't going to start him in that game, they're not going to start him in any other game. So I don't have a problem with that. Wilson should be on the roster, but I went through the list of guys, the litany, the laundry list of people I'd rather have up there than either Qualls or McPherson. Now, Qualls or McCutcheon, sorry. Vlad has defended, uh, you know, Qualls a, a bit on the site. What's your thought? Who, who should who should be in the group? No, I mean, I don't know. I, I understand that Qualls gets ground balls, but the guy you, you just needed, says, I don't want. No, I don't know, Charlie. I need an answer. You're Neil Huntington. You're, you're, you're the pipeline in Neil Huntington. I, I'm not interested in Chad Qualls. I don't want Chad Qualls on the roster at this point. I, and I, I I think that, you know, there's a conservatism there that, that uh, suggests that, you know, we, we've, we're in the midst of a pennant race. We need veteran stability. But if that's the kind of stability he's going to provide, then I don't want him there. I don't think well, there's... Let, let, let's talk about this. Do, do you buy that? Do you just buy that concept? I, well, do you... I don't know who's... I don't know who's it, who it's coming from, whether that's from Neil Huntington or from Clint Hurdle or somebody else, but that that I, I saw somebody suggest a couple of days ago that that you know one reason why we saw that series of moves was because you know Clint Hurdle or someone said, "Look, we're in the midst of a pennant race. I don't want to be having rookies up here." Okay, um, well, and I'm Hurdle not sure that's said, true, but Hurdle said he said yesterday or the day before that despite Rod Barajas's struggles at the plate, he has added a lot in the locker room. Uh, in the clubhouse, and he's done a great deal for the Pirates. Let me tell you something. He said the same thing about Lyle Overbay and Matt Diaz last year. They were both gone at the trade deadline right around that time, in, terribly ineffective. We're going to swing into this conversation, but that's the reason I ask. Look, at the end of the day, talent should win out 90% of the time. Clint's job and what he does best is actually manage that clubhouse. So I think that veteran leadership uh, is is actually it's the strength that he brings so it's less important i think it's generally less important i'll take talent every time it's not always clear that the younger talent is necessarily better than the older talent but in this case for the pirates dan mccutcheon and chad qualls don't want to, don't need to be on the roster let's start with uh well you know i'll start with uh, justin wilson chris larue jeff Locke, brian morris take your pick two out of those four to me all four of those are better than two options that that are there I guess one potential reply to to what you just said is that if you look at what happened last year, you know when Lyle Overbay and Matt Dias left, the team went down, <laughs> went in the tank. I, but you I think know, that's just way too results oriented. Oh come they on! Have, yeah, I mean, you're not even going to give that credence, right? You're joking. No, no. I'm saying that's that's too results oriented. You, you know, you got to be focused on on the process, and and you can't get conservative now, especially when you know a playoff spot is far from. Uh, you know, a certainty at this point. I mean, the, the, the teams the Pirates are going to be battling against are better than them, and they need players who have upside. You can't have – I know they have eight guys in the bullpen right now, but they cannot have Qualls, 
Dan McCutcheon and Kevin Correa in the bullpen. It makes no sense. You 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 need one of those guys. You don't need three. 100% agreed. I've said now for two months, I've been on record as saying Neil Huntington is going out there. They're playing without their best 25. I wrote yesterday about Clint's bullpen usage, as did you. Clint putting them at a disadvantage. Let's just say – I'm just going to say it one more time. They've played uh, nine or ten extra inning road games in the two years Hurdle has managed. And four of those games, I think out of ten, Hanrahan pitched in the ninth inning and blew the save. I don't have any problem with that. And the amount of games he saved and blown, his ratio is great, whatever. So he couldn't pitch in the extra innings of those games. He actually was responsible for them going to extra innings. So six times they've gone to extra innings on the road. He's used his closer one time, and it took the 14th inning on Sunday against St. Louis for that to happen. Terrible. I think they're two and four in those games. You know, last year they were one and five on the road in extra inning games. It just doesn't make sense to have Dan McCutcheon then go out, lose the second game 7-5, and then then they lose again yesterday 4-2. Right, I mean, and the and the the three one loss in the Monday game is also really bad. I mean, when when um when uh, Correa brought in, or sorry, when when Hurdle brought in Correa in the nineteen inning game against Cardinals. I mean, against the Cardinals, a lot of people on Twitter groaned because you don't want to bring in a, a very low wattage reliever there. Correct. To, to, against the two, three, and four hitters. In yeah, the against the against the heart of the Cardinals order. It turned out to be a problem, but not for the reasons we thought. So Correa goes ahead and pitches right. uh, two innings, gets through it fine. Then for some reason, I mean, Reesop pitches three innings, and then for some reason, Hanrahan randomly comes in in the 14th. Um, so, you know, whatever, they end up winning the game, but they have to burn their starting pitcher in Juan Rodriguez. And then, uh, and then Correa comes in and starts the next game. And, you know, promptly gets the Pirates in, in a hole. So, you know, because they had to burn Rodriguez, they, they ensured that, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, essentially end up in a big hole that, that first game. And that leads to a loss on Monday. And then we have the disaster on Tuesday with, with Hurdle turning to Qualls and, and uh, Dan McCutcheon for reasons that are just almost completely impossible to identify and losing the game despite just a huge performance from Garrett Jones. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're you know we're in ag- <clears throat> excuse me we're in agreement. We've run through this a fair bit. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the things. The Juan Cruz situation is now he was DFA'd. I don't know. I, you know I've talked about this since the middle of June that his performance to me mar- was markedly different. Just the numbers didn't fall off a cliff if you just look at him his ERA and things like that. But as a pitcher, I just saw less movement on his stuff. I didn't think he was as effective. The, the command has always been an issue with him. And it kind of reared its ugly head here in the past couple weeks, even more so after his stint on the DL. He gets DFA'd. He goes through waivers. Apparently just came out that he turns down his assignment to AAA and is going to be an unrestricted free agent now. I'm just a tad surprised about that, Charlie. I thought uh, it would be beneficial maybe for both teams if if Cruz accepted the assignment and then eight eight days he's possibly back up on the roster with the all, all the 40-man caveats. Any thought to that? Anything it might... Is there anything maybe behind the scenes or just Hurdle says there are younger guys who passed him by, but younger guys passed him by. He sent him right back down to Indianapolis and brought him up. Is that what Hurdle said that? He said the reason he said the other day that the Pirates would not look to keep Juan Cruz if he cleared waivers. Younger guys had passed him by. So the okay. so in in Clint Hurdle's head, the bullpen hierarchy then goes what? Qualls, McCutcheon. All the younger guys, and then Juan Cruz. 
Well, apparently on the back end, that seems to be about right. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but wow, that is that is a very very strange comment. Well, that's, and that, that's what makes me wonder: is there some, was there some kind of uh, you know was there was there a clubhouse issue? Was there something going on? I don't think anybody's kind of spit on anybody in public, so we wouldn't know. And and there's no evidence of that, so I'm not kind of I don't mean to be kind of muckraking on where there's nothing to to look at, but. It just seemed a little bit strange again, but we've seen a lot of strange things here in the last three weeks with this roster. Yeah, that is that that is odd, and you're and you're right to note that it's it's especially strange given that you would think it would be pretty easy to clear a 40 man spot for for Cruz to come back up when when rosters expand a week from now. You think it's you know spending a week in in Indianapolis is not that big a deal. So yeah, I don't have any real explanation for it. Maybe there's some some clubhouse thing or some injury thing or. Or, you know, Cruz is just miffed at whatever, having put up about 2.78 ERA this year and, and somehow winding up getting DFA'd. I don't know what it is. Yeah, okay. So three-game series in, in San Diego, obviously not very good. They're off today. St. Louis for a three-game series. Needless to say, this is a big one. But, Charlie, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the larger concept of the Pirates playing essentially 600 ball from the end of May till the, the middle of June or the break, whatever you want to, the all-star break, uh, whenever you want to delineate it and kind of what got them there and why, why are they now playing 400 baseball uh, in the month of August? <clears throat> and I think, I, I think, I guess for me, it is the magnificence of Andrew McCutcheon and AJ Burnett. They were so good. They carried the team at such a great level that it was really unrealistic to ex- expect them to continue to perform at that level. And we've seen McCutcheon go from kind of 376, which he was hitting, or 372 he was hitting, you know, just a few weeks back to the, the mid-340s now. Uh, he's tailed off. He's had a slump. And, I, you know, I'm not going to say it was Chapman's fastball that hit him up in the shoulder. He just wasn't going to continue to perform at that level. That's an easy de- de- demarcation point to look at. And he's had trouble controlling the outside outside corner now. And this happened last year when he got hit a bunch of times around the All-Star break and he slumped in the second half. Again, there's no clear cause and effect. It, it is something to note. And I'm sure Andrew doesn't think about it. And so it's probably just something that I've noticed. But, you know, when if he doesn't perform at that level, there are very few. You know, most of the guys have been relatively consistent now for a, bu- a bunch of months here, but McHenry's tailed off a bit. Garrett Jones continues to be fantastic. Walker had a great seven weeks before he got hurt. He's been, you know, kind of average here. The team was expected to win 72 games and they were on pace to win 88 games. And now maybe we're seeing more of the reality that, you know, they're, they're going to win 80 games, which is still a big step forward. Uh, 82 games, 84 games, whatever it is, I'm not making a projection, but, uh, what are your thoughts in terms of now? Can can they get to 85, 86 wins? I think they they certainly still can. They would only have to play basically 500 ball the rest of the way uh, to get to you know 86 wins. So I, I mean that that's you know certainly a, a possibility. I think that you know we all sort of knew that while this is not this is not the 2011 team that that overperformed their actual talent level to such a ridiculous degree, but it is a team that, that was overachieving. And, you know, you, you are seeing the effects of, you know, this, this team is not as extreme as that, but, but uh, Andrew McCutcheon is, is having, 
you know, you you can compare him to like a, a Barry Bonds or a Michael Jordan in terms of the year he's having. I mean, he's not that good, but he's he's much better than all the rest of his teammates. And when a player like that slumps him, you got to turn to your Jeff Kents and your Scottie Pippins or whatever. And um, you know, the supporting cast is is it's really not quite there in terms of it being a playoff caliber team. Yeah, and so so the, you know, we look at just looking at Garrett Jones has an OPS of eight seventy one. Uh, you've got Walker and Alvarez with OPS pluses of uh, Walker at 119, Alvarez 114, and McKendry's at 123. And these guys, the only guy who's hot in that group right now is Garrett Jones. And the expectation would be for all of them to continue to come back a bit. I don't know that uh, the end of the season numbers, I would expect any of these guys to be outperforming the number they have right now. McCutcheon's OPS is 995. I mean, that's extraordinary. He's still the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP award in my book. So, so somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to have to really step forward offensively to start to carry this team. Ideally it's Andrew McCutcheon, but if it's not, I'm nervous. I, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that 500 ball, it's certainly not a given. Wendy Rodriguez, Eric Bedard, you know, the pitching, the starting pitching is is uh, skeptical. I, I, we've talked about it. We've kind of I, I haven't really changed my view on this whole thing. I don't think you're a playoff team. I think the, the third best team in the National League Central. And I guess if you're a Pirate fan, you really are sitting on pins and needles for this three game series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any any series against the Brewers, obviously a problem. And then to have three against the Cardinals. I mean, uh, excuse a- me. Yeah, I said we were playing the Cardinals next, but we're playing. What, what's the order here? We got the it's, Brewers, it's Brewers the Cardinals, yeah. and then Brewers again. Excuse and, me. And Brewers, with, Cardinals, right? I got it backwards. Sorry. This isn't nearly as good a Brewers team as we're used to seeing, but I you still hate to see Brewers on the schedule, and they've they've got to hold things up against the Cardinals because, uh, you know, if they don't, things could start to get could start to get really ugly. But you're right. I mean, the, the whole thing feels like it's hanging by a thread right now. It's a it's a better team than than it was last year. I think we can say that pretty conclusively. But is its true talent? you know, that of an, an 83 or an 84 win team or more of a 75 win team or a 72 win team that, that probably not a 72 win team, but more of a, you know, more of a 75 win team that, that has just, you know, sort of outperformed at the beginning of the season. I think I projected them to, to be somewhere, you know, in the 73 to 75 range, you know, if they get unexpectedly great performance from AJ Burnett and MVP caliber performance from from Andrew McCutcheon, obviously you've got to adjust that upwards a little bit. But now that that things are starting to tail off for a bunch of players on the team, it starts to look again like a like a sub 500 team. Even though you know it would be it would it would be a serious collapse at this point for them not to have a winning season. How do you allocate playing time for the next six home games? Uh, in terms of who? Catcher, shortstop. Let's assume you're going to play the platoons as the platoons should be. But let's talk about uh, those two positions specifically. Um, well, I mean, you, you know what I've, I've had to say about uh, about catcher. I mean, I think like Michael McHenry should be playing a lot more than he is. Uh, and it's it's really frustrating to see, you know, Rob Barajas continue to, to get tons and tons of playing time over him. In terms of your shortstop, uh, Clint Barmas has said a little bit better recently. There's not really a lot of alternatives on the roster right now. I mean, there's, there's a, he's, he, I'll just give you August. It's an arbitrary endpoint, but okay, it's the month of August. Right. 297, 328, 422, a 750 OPS. If he gave us that all year, that'd be absolutely acceptable. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, with couple, his defense, that'd be excellent. Yeah, a couple more wins in that, you know, he, he's got, uh, he's still striking out with 19 strikeouts to two walks in 68 plate appearances. So you can do the math there. That's j- close to 30%. Uh, but, 
you know, it is. It has been better, and there's not a better option. I've killed Barmas all year. When Clint Brenston, three out of five games or four out of five games there in the middle, uh, in the middle of August, late, I, I, I was baffled because the one time he started to hit, he's sitting down. And if you if you weren't going to play him when he wasn't hitting at all, I didn't understand why he's sitting him down there. But yeah, I'm with you on McHenry. Uh, Alvarez should be playing virtually every day, and you're going to live with what you have. Hopefully, Starling Marte comes back. Jose Tabata made. One of the better catches I've seen this year, running toward the foul line, mm-hmm. sliding into the wall. That was a, a great hustle play, and that was a courageous play. I don't like to use the word courage in baseball because there aren't many, you know, hitting a home run is not courageous. Running at a wall and sliding to make a catch, that's courageous because you can actually hurt yourself uh, pretty significantly. So a great play. Good to see that out of him. And they're just going to need all these pieces to come together uh, to get it right. Right. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Travis Snyder potentially emerging as a, as a good player down the stretch would be a big help. He's hit pretty well so far, but if the Pirates can continue to get at least that from him, that would be a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to see Tabata in the other spot. At, you know, he's, he's made some mental errors so far after coming back, but it, at, at least he's apparently hustling now, which I don't think we could have said um, a couple months ago. So, you know, hopefully he provides a boost. Anything Anything else? Are you looking around? Cincinnati's going to win the division, it looks like. Uh, Joey Votto's coming back on Friday. They get a chance. Uh, they get a chance at the – is it St. Louis, Cincinnati this weekend? Let me just make sure I got uh, that. Yeah, that's coming up soon, I, I think. Yeah, so, so somebody's going to lose some games there. And if you're a Pirate fan, I guess you root for the Reds to win those games because winning the division is probably not realistic at this point. And you'd rather see you'd rather see the Cardinals lose, the, you know, three in that series. How about a, let me ask you one other thing, Charlie? There have been uh, there's some comments we haven't talked about this, but there are a lot of comments coming out. We've seen two players get suspended: Melky Cabrera for the for the Giants and Bartolo Colon for the A's. And their numbers certainly suggest, in hindsight, that you look at it and say, "Wow, this is not surprising." Once you you, you know once you know the facts, you go back and say, well, "I wonder if you could have pointed to this and said, well, this has obviously been happening." A couple things: one. I wrote about it last week. We didn't talk about it. Melky's gonna Melky's gonna win the batting title by definition. I, I don't see Andrew McCutcheon hitting 346 on the season. He's already down to 349. When I wrote about it, I think he was hitting 362. I just think McCutcheon's gonna end up hitting around 335, 340. Uh, should he be disqualified from winning the batting title? And what did you think of Victor Conte's statements that this new synthetic testosterone that is now virtually undetectable in the sense that it goes through your system so quickly. He said up to maybe 50% of Major League Baseball players are using this. We had another huge disaster on our hands, PR disaster for the Major Leagues. Well, I mean, I guess not if it's undetectable. I, I, you know, and, and I've, always, I've always been under the impression, and I, and I, you know, honestly, I don't read too carefully into these steroid things because, you know, just as a fan, there's very little I can do about it. This, as, you know, somebody writes about the sport, there's really nothing I can really do except wag a finger. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have so much bearing on me, but I, I've always been under the impression that there were, you know, performance enhancing drugs that MLB didn't know how to test for and that it would be, you know, you know, the players are going to have access to the best labs. So that I wasn't really aware of that news, but that doesn't really surprise me a whole lot. As for Cabrera, I, I mean, does it bother you? Well, yeah, I don't like it when people cheat, but I, you know, I can't. There's nothing. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, what, do, what do you think about Keith Law's position, who I think is one of the best analysts in the game? That there's no pr- proof that steroids, essentially his 
I don't want to kind of overstate his position, but he has essentially been out there saying there's no proof that steroids increase performance, enhance performance. Oh, I, I, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I knew that. In, I know that in the '90s there were lots of like huge-looking power hitters who hit you know 50 home runs a year who we now knew know were on steroids. So that that seems to be you know, I mean, I guess you can say that there's no proof, but it seems to me like. To, personally to be pretty clear that steroids have some kind of effect but you know i just can't know what it is i I sense that you have a position on this you want to you want to go ahead and say it i do think that they have an impact now we can argue whether the impact in cycling and swimming and in weightlifting is it's uh building muscle mass and then uh increasing cardiovascular capabilities depending on which performance enhancing drugs you use you say they, they have help you in those games. Does it, is it going to make you or I hit a baseball better? Not necessarily, but it's going to make Manny Ramirez recover from injury faster. It might make his swing a tenth of a second faster. I, I think it's I think it's kind of preposterous to argue that there can't be a positive effect. And everybody walks around and says, well, okay, this guy took him and he sucked. Well, how about he, yeah, he sucked, but he would have sucked more if he didn't take it. Well, I mean, a lot of players, you know, end up taking them because they get to desperation points in their career where they're going to, you know, end up cut if they don't. So it's it's not surprising that that would happen sometimes. But you know, it it, it you know the the thing, and, and I guess from my perspective, I you know, it's not something I talk about very much because it's not something I can know. I don't I don't have any like terribly great insight into the topic. But it kind of also reminds me of you know back in the '90s when, or not the '90s, maybe about 10 or 12 years ago when. Uh, you know, when sabermetrics was emerging as sort of a, um, a faddish way to look at the game among fans, you'd have a lot of people saying that basically defense didn't matter. And, you know, what they're basically saying when they said that is, is or, you know, what was actually the case is not that defense didn't matter, it really did matter, but that people who, you know, like to, to mess with numbers didn't know how to measure it, essentially. Um, so I think, you know, the steroids thing is a little bit like that. I think there's, there's, there almost has to be an effect. I think you, you look at the game and how it's changed since the crackdown, and, you know, it's pretty clear that there was an effect, but it's, the actual effect is pretty hard to measure. So in, in, that, Correct. In, that, in that sense, it's frustrating. Yes, I agree. Okay, Melky, should he be eligible for the batting title? Yeah, I think that, that you know, the batting title is, you know, a measure of what happened and and once you make the rules you got to stick with the rules you can't you can't change horses midstream there i think you have to see it more as a description and not as a trophy to put on someone's mantle what about you yeah i got i got to agree with you you know i i it is what it is he got caught when he got caught, caught the rules are in place i don't know if you put an asterisk next to it and say he got suspended for the final 45 games of the regular season or exactly what you do i think it's unfortunate but uh, yeah, I don't. I, I it, set, it would set a, a very interesting precedent, which which they've certainly looked at in the past. So I think I would be surprised if they did anything differently, and I don't really know that they can. I, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about awards and who wins things uh, other than championships. So m- maybe I'm not exactly the right person to ask, but I know a lot of pirate fans when I wrote about that were pretty up in arms about it. Well, I mean, they're up in arms because it's one of their guys, and sure. it's, it's you know, it's not. It's not all that common that a pirate wins a national award. I can certainly see that. I understand the injustice in it. But if you think about the implications of what that means, you you, you have, you know, for example, you, you think of that guy a few years back who, who refused to vote for Jeff Bagwell in the Hall of Fame 
to, to go to the Hall of Fame and, and didn't explain why, but basically strongly suggested that he thought Bagwell might be on steroids, despite having absolutely no proof for that whatsoever. It's, it's kind of like, do you want people who think that way, who, who get all up in arms about these performance-enhancing drugs, you know, taking a Sharpie to the, the record book and, and, and making sort of arbitrary changes based on, on things that weren't rules at the time? Like, I, I don't. All right. Well, uh, you can follow Charlie on Twitter, at Dugout. You can follow me, at DT and Pirates, on Pirates. Uh, a little bit of news for me, which I posted on the website and I put on Twitter, so... You may have seen it. I don't want to be too self-promotional, but I will be uh, working full-time for ESPN, 970 ESPN in Pittsburgh. Going forward, I'll have a daily show, 2 to 4. Certainly, uh, as we finish up the season, a lot of that first hour of the show will be focused on the Pirates. The second hour is going to be Steeler-focused, so uh, please come join me there and, and get involved in the conversation. So, much, much deserved. Congrats on, congrats on that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And always, thanks for listening to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. 